Welcome to my Dream Log Cabin podcast, where we help cabin lovers like you navigate the uncharted waters of building their dream log home. From idea to move in, we cover all aspects of log home design and construction. Thanks for tuning in and be sure to hit that subscribe button. This podcast is sponsored by Caribou Creek Handcrafted Log Homes. Okay, welcome back everybody and cabin lovers out there to another episode of My Dream Log Cabin. And I am so excited today to introduce you to one of our newest employees, Jack Phillips. Yes, Jack is so awesome. We're so happy to have him part of this team. Um, Jack, tell us a little bit about you and how did you find Caribou Creek? Well, it was uh, about a year ago now. Um, My wife and I were out visiting from upstate New York, which since moving to the area we've been telling everybody is east of Boise. Um, We found uh, Bonner's Ferry and loved it so much that we decided to, uh, after getting married, move out here and settle down. And Caribou has been just an incredible place to work, a blessing to, uh, to myself and Maria. And, um, yeah, it had everything that I was looking for, log cabin design of um, world-class quality. And being able to come here and work is a privilege um, and an honor. Yeah. And I'm all, yeah, because I know, because it, it, it is an honor. I enjoy <laughs> it, too. I agree. I'm in 100% agreement with you. I was curious, too, just, uh, you know, tell us a little bit about, like, the, the coolness of the fact that here you were coming from the East, we won't say where. No. <laughs> and and you found this little tiny town here in North Idaho. Um, and we were happened to be looking for a designer at the exact same time. And your background is in what? Well, architectural design. So I graduated from Syracuse University School of Architecture in 2017. Uh, I've been working in the Syracuse area uh, since then, since we made our move out. And uh, my wife and I figured it was time for us to make a little bit of a change in our life where we wanted to live and things and grow a family and uh, design has always been a passion of mine especially homes um, working particularly with logs presents unique but very cool um, design challenges uh, and the opportunity to work one-on-one with clients is something that's uh, so cool because we get to take a design from its beginning from what a client wants and work with it to the site uh, figure out how it best fits on the site um, so that they have the most successful building and home that they can uh, possibly have you know Jack you bring up a really good point Um, one of the biggest things that we've seen here at Caribou Creek is that sometimes people will spend oodles of time dreaming about their floor plan planning it out pencil sketching it all of those things Mm, and they come to us ready to build and when we go visit their site we come to find out that the plan that they are in love with doesn't quite match their site and so we need to revamp it we end up re, you know revamping the floor plan or maybe redesigning it in a way that fits that property and so that brings us to today's topic is how come and why should somebody consider the site before they get too deep into the design and how how does the site affect the design well that's a that's a really good point because what I see happen often is a client will pinpoint onto their dream floor plan and it will be in their mind the like I, I really want this this is exactly what I'm looking for and they've they put all of their attention and energy into one particular thing such that when it comes time to really look and investigate into the site context uh, where they're looking to build it turns out that that's not actually going to be the best solution for them 
Um, and being able to mitigate that and, and show a client and, and discern what the most important things are in that floor plan that the client likes. Being able to take that information and use that to make their dream home even better because now it's not just some uh, floor plan that's been designed, you know, maybe even a few states over, maybe even a few countries over. You know, now it's something that is, um, it has the aspects of what the client really wants designed for their site, a completely unique floor plan that's theirs. Um, and it functions and it works very well, um, not just as a floor plan, but as a home. I love it. Yeah. Because yeah. not all sites are like Wyoming where everything is flat. Right. <laughs> well, that's true. That's very true. Especially when we're talking about mountain architecture and, you know, having those amazing picturesque views and and of course the scenery that most people are moving into a cabin for. I know I was. Mm. You already came from a place with gorgeous scenery and to another one. So it's important to people when we're looking at this forever home, making sure it's somewhere we want to spend time looking at. So let's talk about that first. Mm. You know, as far as the approach to the house, because I think that's something that often people end up that's probably one of the biggest problems with most designs mm -hmm. is that the approach ends up being right where in other words where it's designed to be right on right. the design but then where it ends up actually on the on the land is where the amazing views are right and so who wants to be looking out their window at their driveway well right i mean take into consideration all right this is this is a floor plan that i found online myself being guilty of this very same thing. This is the absolute perfect floor plan and then I put it on a site and I make it contextual and then I have to think to myself, oh, but where does a car go? You know, if this is the entrance, you know, where's my garage? Do I have a covered walkway between my garage and house? Is there a garage built into this floor plan? What's its orientation? How do I get there from the road? Uh, a lot of times what you'll find is in, in any kind of plan that's been drawn up. Uh, even, if, even if we draw up a floor plan without knowing site context, it's, so, it's almost impossible to be able to put in all of the detail necessary to get your transportation from your road to your home uh, without obstructing or causing other visual impurities uh, between the road and the house, such that, uh, for example, a very good example, this is um, a lot of people myself included, looking to build a log cabin, well, I'd kind of like it secluded in the woods. I don't want to be able to maybe even see the road from my home. Um, well, that being the case, where does your home sit on your site? How, what's the profile? What's the height? Um, how do you access it from the road? So these are all things to really try and take in con into consideration. Like noise is another big factor. Can you hear the road? Is that something you want to hear? Um, you know, dealing with the natural layout of the land, you know, what kind of trees are on the property? Do you have a hedgerow between yourself and the land, a wood lot even, or uh, between yourself and the road, I should say? Um, do you have that wood lot barrier, a hedgerow, anything like that that you have or can incorporate? So those are all very important things, and um, uh, it's always so good to try and keep that into consideration when you're looking to buy a piece of property or um, have bought one and are looking to start to design. Okay. And that's just one thing, right? That's the most obvious thing I think that customers experience when we go to the site and look at their floor plan and say, okay, hold on. What are some other key factors that 
are that you know of i mean being a professional yourself in in this space you are more keenly aware i think of how site impacts design um, than any of us are. <laughs> oh, well. Right? Well, so. I don't know. You throw around that word professional pretty liberally there. <laughs> yeah. um, no, no, no. Well, so there's, I mean, there's there's as many things in your site to take advantage of and to understand as there are things that you would want to, I suppose. But a, a lot of this comes down to having uh, uh, like, a, like a knowledge, a foreknowledge of the things that you might not even have thought of. A great example of this is what are your soil conditions on your site? And that's a huge question. Um, I remember uh, before my studies in school and and before I had done some uh, work uh, in my personal life, um, soil tests and things like that, I didn't have a clue what that meant. What does that mean even? Um, And and a lot of homeowners find that that's the case. There's, There's a lot of these things that we might even discuss today that may sound intimidating. But the main takeaway, uh, I think, from this, let's say particularly with soil conditions, is that um, you always have a very good resource in your contractor. Your contractor will know a lot of things that are going on on your site and will be able to tell you um, a lot based on um, previous owners, based on the history of the site. Um, For instance, uh, one very important thing with soil conditions is what's the bearing capacity of your soil? Do you have bedrock right there? Do you have a very sandy, loose soil? Um, I know a few of my friends, uh, they're geotechs, what we call them, and their job is to come out to your site and determine what the load-bearing capacity of your soil is. Uh, That's pretty simple enough, right? Um, But to know that that is something that's a resource to have and to plan for is, uh, just puts you so far ahead in terms of coming up with a good plan, seeing what the context of your site is in terms of you know, hey, structurally speaking, we might have to do more work on our site if we want to build here because the soil's looser. But 20 feet up the lot, just up the hill slightly, we got some solid bedrock. We're not planning to put in a basement, let's say here. Um, And it's gonna work perfect up on that site because we can tie right into the bedrock. Okay, well actually we wanna do a foundation, or we wanna do a basement, a daylight basement or something. Oh, all of a sudden that bedrock becomes an issue. You almost wanna move it down the hill. Now that's if prices and cost is a factor to consider and things like that, but these are all extra pieces of information that can help you make the most informed decision that you can um, and can, in my experience, has always led to more project success. Uh, The more information that we can be privy to uh, and share and talk about and have constructive conversations about, the better the the end product can be. Mm Mm-hmm. That was really good well actually i'm sitting here listening to you and i'm learning through the process uh which is of course one of the reasons i love to do this podcast is because it's it's fun it's entertaining and it's informational Mm. um and i never really realized how much there was it was going in underneath the ground you know then so that geotech person right you said is that like a professional that somebody could actually like just google and find them or how would they go about connecting with somebody like that if they wanted to yeah yeah so uh geotech that's actually a geotechnical engineer so they have professional training in how to analyze uh, soil compaction um they'll what what you might find is if uh if they come to your site they they would bring something called a penetrometer and that device is is what they use to figure their calculations for um soil stability and compaction 
Wow. Um, now that, you know, that sounds intimidating, right? It sounds like that's a whole profession, and it is. Um, but it's their job to make your job as a homeowner easier. And reaching out and finding the best ones, um, it's always good to, to speak with your contractor about that because that's that's their job. Your, your um, general contractor is in charge of being able to know all these kinds of things for you and take mm-hmm. that burden off your shoulders. Yeah, so true. Yeah. Okay, so... So we talked about site approach. We've talked about soil conditions and mm-hmm. how they affect the design, obviously, because, you know, you said structurally we may have to modify the design if, if it needs to be more load-bearing. Is that correct, or am I mis- totally messed that well, up? Well, no, no, you're, you're spot on because okay. um, different foundations, different footings will be needed in different soil stabilities. Mm, gotcha. Um, so, yeah, yeah. Okay. And then you also, you know, kind of prior to us getting on this chat, we talked about water flow and how that can impact things. So let's talk about that a little bit more. Sure. So when you're looking at your site, just as important as um, your soil conditions is, you know, is there water flowing through your site? Uh, Because if there's water that's going to go right through where your house is going to be built, well, that's going to be a problem. And there's different ways to mitigate that. Um, There's different ways to deal with that and incorporate it even into your design. Um, You can, we can spot areas of water flow, whether that be... um, immediately under the surface of the ground, um, subsurface water flow, surface water flow, um, you know, if water is pooling or collecting, um, and be able to design around that. And uh, let's say an example, I suppose, something that could come to mind very quickly is if you're building on a slope, right? Um, Well, if you've got hill behind you, you're going to have water coming down during a rainstorm. So there's there's many ways to mitigate that water from coming directly at your house. You can put DIs, um, underground corrugated pipes, French drains. Um, you can put retaining walls. Uh, all sorts of different things to try and um, successfully move water around your house. But it is important to have that as a consideration um, because it can even lead into potential um, design inspiration some ideas i know back where i come from back uh, east of boise um (laughs) you can't uh, stub your toe without starting a new spring in the ground Mm. um we have boy we i think we've we were on pond number eight by uh, when we left last year wow um and not not for want of water we're we're land of lakes out there i'll tell you Mm -hmm. but um but you can incorporate water into your site in that way, if you have it, if you have it there, you can incorporate a water feature, a pond, uh, a, re- a retention pond. You can incorporate it into other things on your site. If you have animals or, or such as pasture grazing animals, um, if you have gardens or want to have any kind of water retention on your site for anything to do on your property, that's good stuff to know right from the offset too. What's the future use of your property? Do you have um, other plans? Uh, to develop your lot further in the future for any kind of agricultural purposes or or anything that might even use water. Right. Yeah, Yeah, that's good. Okay, so uh, one of my favorites is the sun because I'm from Hmm. Arizona, as (laughs) you know. Uh, And we were talking earlier today, actually. It's kind of one of the reasons it spawned this conversation is how this was so fascinating. I can't wait for you to tell everybody. Okay, how the sun, like I was thinking, you know, can you design a house? My question, this is Lindsay's layman's question. Hmm. <laughs> can you design a house, Jack, 
that you know keeps i want to have these amazing views but i don't want the sun beating in on my house causing this ridiculous amount of heat <laughs> right <laughs> yeah okay so what did you say about that that was the best when you're talking about the sun, like that question itself already needs me to respond with a question. You don't want the sun beating in on your house. I assume probably on June 21st, right? Right. At the hottest day of the year <laughs> with the sun at its maximum potency. Uh, yeah, totally. But maybe on December 21st, you wouldn't mind the sun coming into your home, giving you a little bit of extra warmth. Uh, I mean, assuming you're not moving back to Arizona. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, actually, that would sound really nice. Yeah. So a lot of those things can be factored in. So now we're getting into talking about solar gain inside of your house and how to control that. So architecturally speaking, um, this is where we come into play here uh, as your designer so what we can do is let's say you have this beautiful southern exposure view of a massive valley in front of you we're actually I, we've got a project that we're working on right now very similar to that which it's pretty much due south facing um, one of the major things that I've got in my head right now in terms of this project is a lot of glass on that major south facing wall to give to to give you really good exposure to your views well glass and sun equals heat so especially in the summer and what would with the temperatures being slightly high right now here in northern idaho um which i didn't sign up for this at all <laughs> me neither right <laughs> this, is, this is hot <laughs> well it it really makes you appreciate being able to incorporate design uh, to help mitigate direct sunlight in your home so let me talk about some examples of that and how to mitigate that so if you have that big south-facing wall, imagine you extending a roof maybe 12 feet out beyond the main wall of your living room so that your roof uh, forms maybe a covered porch over uh, the outside southern wall of your, your living room there. What that's going to do is it's, you're, you're going to be working with two angles. So maybe, uh, for instance, let's take June. So in June, the sun is going to be at its maximum peak altitude in the sky. So if we plan to extend that roof to such a distance, let's for example here say 12 feet, that the sun at noon, as it comes down, the angle at which it comes down falls on your porch outside your house. So you never get direct sunlight in your house during maybe the, the few months during the middle of the year when the sun is at its height. So that's going to be perfect because if you do that, you're gonna keep the heat out of your house. You're gonna still get all sorts of really good indirect light in your home. It's gonna be very bright anyway. Um, but if that roof using that 12 foot extension example again, and that distance can change just as we talk about this for the site. Um, as we get back to the winter months, what you'll find is the uh, elevation of the sun in the sky is going to come back down um, in the northern hemisphere anyway. And that's going to bring the sunlight back into your home. So when you've got snow on the ground, you can be enjoying uh, sitting in your living room uh, with sun coming on you. It can actually passively heat your house to uh, some degree. In some ways, even uh, very large degrees. There are uh, whole communities of architects who design homes specifically to not require any heating apparatus and only use um, passive solar and geothermal and, and uh, things of that nature to completely heat the entire home 
and they're successful in cooling homes in Arizona and heating homes in Point Borrow, wow. Alaska. So there are ways to incorporate this stuff, not in some uh, small way, but in a, in a very effective way, very noticeable mm-hmm. way. And in a beautiful way. I mm. mean, that's the thing. Like Even listening to you talk about it, it sounds elegant. Like I really like the. I picture this one house. That, I'm picturing this one house that we've designed that probably was taking all that into account, and I didn't even know, mm-hmm. you know. But it was really gorgeous. How it almost has this like canopy, but without a truss. It was just kind of like a peak almost that yeah. overhang, and it just looked really awesome. And it it almost framed the house. That's the way I like to say it. Okay, yeah, you yeah. know. Um, and, and you can do these things in a way that, because honestly, you want to hear something funny. Of course, coming from Arizona, you might have experienced this. But after what you just said, if you would have started with that, that, oh, I know these guys and they've built houses to cool. I would picture a dome house or something like really weird. Oh, you know yeah, what funky I mean? kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we, the way you pictured it originally is it's elegant, it's beautiful, it's part of this design. It's It makes the house not only awesomely functional, mm-hmm. but really gorgeous. And so that's what's cool about it. Unique, too. Oh, yeah. Well, there's there's so many opportunities for design. Um, there's a lot of, like, uh, I know that the design style you're referring to is, like, uh, earthship houses or what they're called. A lot of, like, um, uh, rammed dirt, rammed earth kind of styles. Or they use, uh, one good example is they use uh, uh, glass Pepsi bottles or things like that. Mm. You'll see them, put them in concrete and... And there's passive ways to do things like that. They turn out really funky. Um, it's, a, it's a very interesting design. It's not one of my favorite ways to design. Uh, but one of the interesting things about logs and log homes is that they function in a very similar way um, with a completely different design aesthetic. So there's very much a wide swath of being able to control these things. Log homes. Log homes are great for um, controlling, and, uh, controlling heat and cooling inside your house on hot summer days. So my, my dad, brother, and I built a cabin back home, right? And we used, we used logs, and um, I thought I was all high and mighty out there uh, using a little uh, spare parts from log cabin kits. Uh, and boy, how little did I know at that point in time. <laughs> <laughs> how old were you? Oh, well, we don't need to bring that up. Oh. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it, it, it's rude to ask somebody their age. Uh, <laughs> um, but even in even in that uh, context, using logs, we uh, there is such a significant difference on the hottest summer day back home in New York. If it would be ninety degrees outside, it would inevitably be about 71 degrees inside the cabin 70 71 it would be so relaxing to step inside the cabin um and this is a completely off-grid no power few solar panels no air conditioning um and why that happens is because at night those logs cool off they send their heat out so that during the daytime when the sun's beating on the logs the logs are absorbing that heat. That heat is not transferred into the cabin. That heat is then radiated out at night. And it's the opposite way in the winter. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so that you get a nice fire going in the cabin, in the, in the wood stove. And all of a sudden, the cabin is so nice and cozy and toasty warm because the walls are warm. They're, the walls are radiating heat. You're dealing with a thermal mass. And that is... Um, that is such a great way to design. And that can become part of your log cabin design too. Maybe you don't have great views on yourself. Maybe you've got, uh, uh, maybe you've got just some small windows here and there. 
well, that's a great opportunity for us to have our logs, uh, to position our logs, because that's going to capture the heat of the day. It's going to radiate it off at night. It's going to keep you cool inside. You know, maybe that's a great opportunity to extend our eaves, or all these things. Are, it's all part of the design, and, and what are what are you as the client? What are you looking for, and how can we incorporate that? Yeah. So the sun placement, I never really ever would have thought about that when I was also <laughs> looking hmm. at designs that I'm in love with. Hmm. <laughs> okay. So I think we only have a couple more key points that are really important to this that we kind of hit on before, and mm-hmm. the next one we wanted to talk about was topography. Mm-hmm. So, uh, a really important one, how your building sits on your site, what, what is your site? So, talking about mountain homes, if you're on the side of a hill, that's going to impact a lot to do with your site. If you've been looking at a floor plan that you really like, and you've been looking at it two-dimensionally, and it's the first floor, and you were in love with it, well, what happens when that first floor is put on a site that's got 20 foot of uh, difference in elevation from one side of that floor plan to the other you know considering what a basement looks like there what it looks like if it's on foundations on piers um, if it's built into uh, the mountainside hillside or however um, you know how you enter your building on different slopes it's uh, it's all very pertinent to and then I would think sorry to interrupt you but no, you just got me thinking like the way the house would lay out inside, I wouldn't want to go through a house that's like a Dr. Seuss house where I'm going up and down stairs everywhere, right? Well, right, right. You know, so factoring in like how to make it, I don't know, what would you say, user-friendly, easy to maneuver, what, what, what not, yeah. it would be important too. Well, consider if you've got, um, if, you, if we're working with a client who doesn't want to feel like they're 20 feet up in the air. And they've got this beautiful floor plan that's that is a twenty foot long, um, a twenty foot wide living room that's fifty feet beyond the entrance of your uh, main door, and you're on a nice hillside. Well, if you come in the house, you're going to end up twenty feet off the ground by the time you get to the end of your living room, and you're going to feel like you're way up in the middle of the sky. Mm-hmm. Now, some clients might love that. Some might be, yeah, let's do that, um, and others might have a, a good aversion to that. Um, so it all depends on how, you know, what kind of what kind of space and what kind of house do you want on your site, that, and that's what we're here to help try and facilitate. How do yeah. you want that design to work? Right, that's good stuff. Mm. Okay, and the last one was context. Can oh, you yeah. explain what that means? Yes. So, so here I'm talking specifically. We touched on it just a second before, but that's in terms of, you know, what kind of trees do you have on your site? What's the what, it kind of touches on a lot of things, like your topography, like your sun. It's, it's kind of like a, um, a holistic way of looking at your site. If everything is working together, how, does, how do all of those things come together and impact your home? So a really good example of this uh, is a project I did a few years back. Um, we, had, we wanted to take advantage of uh, shade during the summer and um, sunlight during the winter. So it was kind of like a solar gains issue again, right? Well, it was a small little cabin. And what we ended up doing is tucking it back up against some hardwood uh, trees that we, that we had on that particular lot. Um, and so uh, they were kind of nestled them right in on the, uh, on the south edge of a field. So what we accomplished was that during the summer, all those trees leaf out. And they provide natural shade for the house. So uh, when you get all that sunlight, 
coming around all summer long, it's all being dispersed and, and it has to go through all those leaves before it even touches the roof of your of that little cabin there. Um, and then during the winter, all those leaves drop and the roof of that cabin can take full advantage of just sucking up as much sun as it possibly can. So that's just one quick way of, hey, you know, we can, we can take advantage of, uh, you know, privacy and um, kind of tucking it back into the woods just by observing where tree lines are um, and, and things of that nature. Wow. I, I'm really, truly just, I guess, blown away at how I'm just picturing you walking out to a site. You recently did this for a couple different clients, didn't you hear? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking, man, I never really, okay, this is Lindsay's version of walking out to a site. Oh, this is pretty. Look at that. I like that tree. Oh, that's a really nice tree. Oh, that's a flat spot. But see, Jack's one... about to tell you, you need to cut that tree down. <laughs> well, and one thing I think that um, homeowners experience, and I know I'm guilty of this because we were looking at some property recently, mm-hmm. is visualizing what it would look like with no trees mm-hmm. right in this particular spot. Or what if we landscaped over here differently? And I just cannot see that. In my mind's eye, I look at it as just dirt. It's just land. Like unless hmm. there's something really significant, like a, a meadow or a creek, I'm not really even, I don't know, where aware of it. Sure. So in our case, Caribou Creek will go out and do a site visit. That's where what happens on a site visit. So we'll go out with the client. So we'll on site discuss what the client's expectations and dreams are for their home and that'll include such that so I'll be asking questions like do you want to have your home nestled up against a woodlot do you want it to be in the middle of a field do you understand the implications of all those things and how that can uh, affect your design going down the stream and um, being able to communicate all those effects as my job specialty to help bring forward the best design for the client, it um, it's very intimidating in the sense of, yeah, I know exactly what you want and you saying that you want to keep that tree there is actually going to prohibit you from, from achieving that actual home that you're looking for. It's a beautiful tree, let's say in this instance. Actually, I was just having this conversation recently with a client. They really liked uh, a tree that was on the site. And that's good, and it's it's all very good to accommodate and, and very much appreciate the, the landscape and the foliage on the site. Um, but for this particular client, that tree's going to need to go. And we may incorporate that tree's lumber into part of the project, or the client might do that in some way or another. Um, and in that way, the tree doesn't go to waste, uh, because nothing needs to ever. Um, but it's always important to know the effects of keeping and leaving and moving different elements on your site. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that's really neat. Now I'm like thinking, what now what would it be like when Jack goes to the site? He's probably thinking like about all these different things at one time. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, what, a, what an interesting thing. I know, have you ever had an experience where you walked out to a site, maybe somebody had said, oh, I just want my house right here. Look at this spot. This is where I want my house. And then after you wander around, you're like, you know, I know what you want. But what I'm going to suggest is that your house goes over here. And how did that, did, did you ever have an experience like that? Well, I have. So this is, this is where, so I have, my expertise that I bring to the table is in design. And my uh, expertise in design is to 
better help a client achieve the thing that they want. Now, I may think in my professional opinion, which it is, and I'm here to provide that, um, that a home may be better situated in one place or another. I have had those kind of conversations with clients before. Um, and I feel it is my job to tell a client if I think that um, they might be better suited with a, a slightly different positioning or, or a different alteration in their way of thinking. Um, because that's that's what I'm here to do. Now, if a client is dead set on having their home in a place um, that I don't feel is the most uh, most design worthy of what they're actually trying to achieve, um, what I do is I, I talk with them and, and we negotiate that. And it always, always um, ends up in the favor of the client. I never try to take a, a, a privileged personal um, design stance on a design of someone else's home. If someone wants something and it's truly what they want, then I go I, with fervor. I, I help them design that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it's because of my want to help get them the best thing that I will, I will always tell them what I think is the most appropriate way to go. And if they disagree or they have a different opinion, that is awesome. I actually very much enjoy having clients come to me with, hey, I don't actually think that will work. Because then what happens is we, you have a client who's invested and interested in their design and there's no better situation for me as a designer and for us at Caribou here than someone who is very passionate about getting the best house that they can get. Yeah, I 100% agree. That's what makes it fun too, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, it, the back and forth is uh, sometimes I have, I have clients <laughs> that will that will apologize for like, well, I feel like I'm, I'm pestering you or bothering you. Not at all. That is part of the design process. Uh, if if it was silence on the end of the client, I'd be concerned. <laughs> yeah, um, really? And I would, I would. Yeah. Because this is this is their home. I, I've designed, speaking of context, uh, I've designed about 30 different dream homes for myself. Uh, my wife's just about sick of it. <laughs> <laughs> she, uh, but it's always because I have a new piece of property in mind. And my previous dream home uh, doesn't fit the context, mm. so um, so it's kind of fun. It's a little little hobby, and I, I work those into I work some of the design challenges and aspects and things that, that I that I work through in in these own little hobby houses. I suppose uh, I work those designs through so that the designs that we do here at Caribou can be that much better. Yeah, well, I'll I'll be really candid. I've seen your designs, and I am blown away. What else is really cool? And I'm gonna just toot your horn for a minute. Is how your hand drawings are exquisite and you have an eye for detail you have the ability to picture things and after this conversation i can see it even more clearly Mm. how um your mind is working like i would say three-dimensionally but it almost sounds like five-dimensionally if that's even an option it just sounds like you have so many moving pieces happening in in the same time to, to almost grow this house you know into what exactly that client is looking for and meet all of these other things as much as possible obviously so you know we're just really grateful you're here this has been a great conversation thank you so much jack well no problem Lindsay, and i appreciate you saying that as i hand you some money here (laughs) i'm very grateful for um all that no i'm not giving that (laughs) take it back (laughs) (laughs) um no it's it's awesome i'm i'm i consider myself a very blessed man to be uh working with such high quality and high caliber individuals 